Morning, y'all. Matt Wyatt here. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. They understand the lay of the land. Visit mslandbank.com. And by Farm Bureau. Go with the home team and your local Farm Bureau agent. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Podcast. What up, everybody? Matt Wyatt here, driving home from the ball game. It is midnight, and I'm recording the Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast. The reason being, I still have energy. <laughs> Last week, I uh, operated on the road game on about three hours of sleep when I got up and recorded the podcast, and it was, frankly, not that great. I sounded really tired, and uh, I kind of felt bad <laughs> about that. So uh, this works out great. I've got plenty of energy. Just got done with the post game, got in my car, got about an hour's drive ahead of me. All my thoughts from the game are relatively fresh. Now, again, though, microphone clipped onto my collar, so I'm not holding a microphone. I got both hands on the wheel and just kind of talking to you as I begin my trip, my drive from Starkville back to Tupelo. All right, so Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast is brought to you by Farm Bureau and Mississippi Land Bank. Presented by Farm Bureau, they are the home team, Farm Bureau Insurance. They're folks just like me and you, you know, everyday people right there at home in the community. Um, there's a reason they call themselves the home team. They are, you know, they live right there, born right there, went to school right there. And if you need somebody after hours or on the weekend, got a question, just hit them up, you know, go knock on their door. Uh, you can deal with somebody face-to-face. And also, the show presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online. Land Bank. <laughs> MSLandBank.com. At Mississippi Land Bank, they understand the lay of the land. You know, and they say that farming is not just the simple life, and they are right about that. It's spreadsheets. It's big equipment, big operations, employees, and a lot of times you got to have the right financial tools as well. And because they understand farming, most of them are farmers themselves and from farming families, they just understand it. And two, from a land perspective, if you're, a, you're an outdoorsman and, and it's for recreational use, they know what you're looking for, they've dealt with it before, they've been in business for right at close to 100 years doing the same thing and they understand it here in the state of Mississippi, that is Mississippi Land Bank. You do business with them, you're going to be happy and I'll give you my guarantee on that. I appreciate you. Uh, letting them know that I sent you as well. All right, so uh, State gets the win tonight, and uh, it was a heck of a second half. You know, and State did so many good things in the first half, too, but there were these uh, kind of shoot-yourself-in-the-foot moments with a couple of penalties that helped A&M to score right before halftime and take the lead. But if I look at the game chronologically, the way State started it, you know, it just kind of started to fall right for them right off the bat. Number one, you win the coin toss, you defer to the second half. So you get to put your defense on the field first, which is really what State wants to do. Defense goes three and out, gets you the football, and then here you go on a drive. And uh, one thing I noticed was uh, how well they scripted that first drive and how prepared they were for it. And here's a couple of examples. One, You know and everybody in the world knows that your identity is and has been running the ball, but you've struggled to throw the ball with any consistency at all. You've turned it over last week against LSU. 
So I'm sure A&M's expectation was you come in, they're going to have a plan. Hey, State's going to have a plan to run the ball. It's just a matter of what is it and how often are they going to go to it. So what did State do? Right off the bat, they throw the ball a little bit. And it's easy, planned, high-percentage throws, a screen on the first one, and then later, you know, a short route that gets the ball out of his hand, a quick throw. And you force the defense to right away recognize, one, they're not going to completely go in a shell and not throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball some. We've got to defend it. Number two, you make the defense run laterally, go sideline to sideline a little bit. And it opened up some of the runs that they came back to with Harris Williams on that first drive. You know, and then you just it's, – it's a matter of making a play at the end of the drive. The touchdown throw in the end zone – that was pretty decent positioning by the corner. There was a really small window in the back corner of that end zone for Nick Fitzgerald to fit it in there to Stephen Gidry. And it was a great throw, but even then it still was a very difficult catch, and Gidry made the play. That's why you recruited him. You may not have anybody else on the roster that's going to make that catch against that coverage in that back corner. And that was a phenomenal play. And so right off the bat, it just felt like there was this tremendous monkey off the back of the offense after all the talk about you can't throw and all that kind of stuff. And so you take the lead, put your defense back on the field. They're not giving up anything. You know, they give up the one field goal. You hold on to the lead. State had one more drive there in the early part of the first half that you know, they drive it, but then they kind of come up short once they got into A&M territory. And A&M is pretty good defense. And statistically, they're really good this year. And then right before halftime, you know, that was a deal where in that late second quarter, State really needed to eat up the rest of that clock. But because they got against the chains a little bit, they wound up throwing the ball. It saved some time on the clock for A&M. A&M gets it back with less than a minute left. And it's just kind of amazing to me that as much struggle as they had had, that in 30-something seconds – And without even using a timeout, they were able to go score because of the screen pass. And Jay Perry told us on the broadcast that in the locker room at halftime, Bob Shoup told his defense that it was his fault. He got a little greedy. He said, according to him, in blitzing a little too often and eventually caught him with the screen pass. And uh, that was a precursor because the biggest offensive plays of the night were were about three different screen plays. taking advantage of the pass rush and the aggressiveness of the state defense at three different times. And they had one other time they caught a screen and couldn't complete it because it was either Simmons or Sweat got their arms up and made him throw it high on the screen, but it was open. I mean, if he completed it, it was going to be big yards. So that was the big chunks in their offense were all screen plays. And um, so they go down, they hit the screen, they score the touchdown and take the lead 10 to 7 with 14 seconds left until half, and it really did feel like it sucked the wind and the air out of that stadium just before half. Um, But, hey, you know, you had won the toss. You deferred, so you knew you were going to get it to start the second half. And, um, um, you know, State just really won the second half, really outplayed them. What was it? Outscored them, what, 21-3 to in the second half of the game? And, again, as, as you know, Nick Fitzgerald, it's going to be hard for him to have a better game. 
throwing, running, all things combined. He never had a throw that was near an interception, yet he was confident to let it go in some tight situations. He kept it away from the defense. I was so impressed with him, the way he bounced back and threw the ball this week. Uh, and in that second half, Gidry was big again. And after the game, you know, we give away a um, Chevron star of the game on our broadcast of the Mississippi State game. I gave it to Stephen Gidry. And Nick Fitzgerald's numbers are great. You know, he completed 63%, way over 200 yards, two touchdowns, ran for 80-something in two scores, four total touchdowns. But I just felt like the play of Gidry, um, what was it, three catches, 100, way over 100 yards, the long 80-something yarder on the third and 19 play there in the third quarter. It, it was those plays, that touchdown catch that gave him the lead seven zip, that 80-something yarder that he caught and ran, reversed the field in the third quarter on third and 19 that put him down at the two. They eventually score. Those were the momentum plays. I thought they were the biggest plays in the game for State offensively, and you could argue they were made by Gidry. Now, on the first scoring drive in the first quarter, the one-handed catch, haul it in, make a first down play by Osiris Mitchell was a huge momentum play also on the offense. But I did wind up giving the uh, star of the game to Stephen Gidry just because I thought he was the difference maker State really needed. And you've seen it so many times with junior college players that it takes them five, six, seven games into that first year in the SEC to get going to really hit their stride and, and make the plays like they did in JUCO. It just takes a while. I've always thought Pernell McPhee was a great example of that. You know, he was just phenomenal in JUCO. His sack numbers and stuff were just unreal. But his first five games, six games at State, it was hard to find him. He didn't really show up as much. And then halfway point of that first year for Pernell, he just exploded and became this beast that you knew he was. And for whatever reason, we've seen that. Offensive players and defensive players, we've just seen that happen. They have to get acclimated to that next level of competition a lot of times. And so uh, then on the defensive side of the ball, um, number one, Bob Shoup, defensive coordinator, called a phenomenal game. The pressures and the way they brought the pressures throughout the night was really, really good. And when your corners are winning so much in man-to-man and one-on-one stuff, which Jamal Peters and uh, Cam Dantzler were just winning their one-on-ones all night long. When that's happening, it's so much easier to call your defense because you're not worried about singling them up on the outside and all that kind of stuff. It frees you up to go after the quarterback. With that said, going after the quarterback, Landrews playing that nickel position in place of Brian Cole was huge. He was one of your leading tacklers. He led the team in tackles for loss with two and a half. Had some passes that he broke up. Um, made a huge play in the first quarter. Uh, was it the first? Yeah, the first quarter when they had a guy open on a swing right out of the backfield and we're going to hit him with it for big yards. But Landry's blitzing, goes airborne, bats a pass away. You know, he just made so many plays. He was really big for State. And he's so fast. You know, they say that he's maybe the fastest guy on that defense. And so getting him going and having that depth with Brian Cole out and so that you can still use McLaurin and Abram on the field as as safeties when you want to, but have Landrews in there as a nickel 
move them all around is just a big advantage. And then um, Errol Thompson, the middle linebacker, number 40, was really, really physical. He set the tone and made statement hits, legal statement thumps against some ball carriers and against a quarterback of A&M and set the tone there also. And, you know, Kellen Mond for A&M really took a beating on the night. He got popped a bunch of times, but I was so impressed with him. He kept popping up. It never did really affect him, and he never made that freak out play, throwing interceptions and kept giving his guys a chance in the pass game. But, you know, the state's defense was just better. I mean, that's all there is to it. Sip of water. Hang on. All right. Um, uh, other things here that jump out at you about the game. Nick Fitzgerald throwing the football. Tonight was an example of a kid that he, he buckled down when he had to. They had a game plan that he was confident in. He could read the things they were giving him, and he was just confident. He was seeing it against a defense that has not been the best passing defense. But listen to this. For all the stuff that that kid has endured of people saying about him and you know, so many fans that are just not smart, you know, just relentlessly tweeting this nonsense about he can't throw and he should be a tight end. I mean, it's just absolutely asinine, you know, to say he can't throw. He hasn't been doing a good job throwing, but to say he can't do it, and he proved it to you again tonight. He's got a great arm, and when he's dialed in and people are open, he can make great throws, and he's done it in his career to the point that tonight with his passing total, you look up and Nick Fitzgerald's got 5,449 career passing yards. He just passed Tyler Russell and is now sitting in fourth place on the all-time list at Mississippi State, right behind Kevin Fant at number three, Wayne Mackins number two, and Dak Prescott is number one. And now Nick Fitzgerald, with several games to go, is in fourth place all-time on the Mississippi State passing yardage list behind Kevin Fant with a chance to catch Fant. And yet, we got idiots who will tweet things like, he can't throw. You know, I mean, it's just, no, he hasn't been doing it. The offense has been all fouled up. He looked bad. He turned it over against LSU. But to say he can't throw, yes, he can. And when things are open and there's a, and the offense is in sync with the run game and the play action stuff works, He's very effective and has been throughout his entire career to the tune of he's top five on the all-time list at the school and going to catch number three pretty soon. So, you know, just save all that nonsense going forward. You make yourself look stupid, frankly. And then um, rushing, I don't know if you realize this either, but so he had the two rushing touchdowns tonight. That gives him 42 rushing touchdowns in his career and ties him with Anthony Dixon for the most in school history. So inevitably he will pass Dixon and become the all-time leader at state in rushing touchdowns with the next one that he has. And that leads you to the Louisiana Tech game next week for state. That's a good Louisiana Tech team. They are six and two. They have uh, the season opening win at South Alabama was a good win. They won at North Texas. They held Mason Fine's offense to like 22 points or something in a win at North Texas. That's the same North Texas team put up 44 and beat Arkansas. Um, 
they have a loss to UAB, which was a bad loss a couple weeks ago. But they are a good football team. They will make some plays. You know, they have a loss at LSU this year, but they held LSU under 40 and put up 21 points themselves. 21 points against that LSU defense, pretty impressive when you look at what LSU did to Georgia's offense, when you look at what LSU did to State's offense. So, yeah, I, I just think that's a tough game next week. It's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. And, I, th- you know, State fans need to be thankful it's at night because you'll have a better crowd there. And a bigger crowd for that game next week will make a difference in the game. You can bet on that if you have a big crowd and you create the atmosphere because I think at times tonight the home team fed off of it. State's just playing better at home in front of its own fans. That's really – I know it kind of goes without saying, but they really are playing well. So there you go, just kind of my synopsis. I thought the play calling was was good for the most part. You know, one thing you could see in the first half from a play calling perspective was on that first scoring drive, they got Nick Fitzgerald's confidence going with a couple of easy high percentage throws at the beginning. Like I said, a screen and a short throw kind of got him in a rhythm and got him going, got him confident. And then after they hit the deep throw for the touchdown, they tended to come back out the rest of the first half and really kind of try to pump it downfield a bunch as opposed and the, the easy throws the quick throws kind of went away and then they came back in the third quarter and adjusted back to that which was really good to see that hey we got to get him in a rhythm get the ball out of his hand get him confident early on and that worked sit tight and i'll be right back after this message from my sponsor farming isn't exactly the simple life it involves satellites and spreadsheets and high-tech machinery to succeed You need equipment like spreaders and sprayers and combines, and the financial tools as well. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has provided the loans that equip agricultural businesses. We understand what it takes to make a farm work, and we know the lay of the land in North Mississippi, and that's where I stand. Mississippi Land Bank, mslandbank.com. There's so many other things to point to. And I'll have a chance to continue to discuss some of that as we get into the week. Um, I will tell you that as it stands right now, I still plan on doing a live radio show on my radio show on Monday, 10 to noon, on ESPN Jackson, ESPN Tupelo, and replayed at night in Vicksburg and Batesville. So I still plan to do a live radio show, take some calls on Monday, which will be tomorrow as you're listening to this on Sunday. But that could change. We just got uh, nothing serious but a little health thing to deal with. Uh, my wife may have to get, kind of go in for a little outpatient deal. And, you know, depending on some times and stuff on Monday, it may turn out that I wind up taping the Monday show or pre-recording it. I said tape's not the right word because we don't use tape anymore. But pre-recording the radio show. But if that happens, I'll kind of let you know. But right now, the plan is to move forward and do a live radio show just like normal and have a Monday reaction where you can call in and all that kind of stuff. So uh, there's a heads up on that. And then quickly, just um, my thoughts uh, bouncing it around the rest of the SEC. Picked a bunch of these. Picked Kentucky to win, and they did, even though it was not easy. It was a super dramatic fashion. You know, and the pass interference call – Normally in that situation, the last play of the game with no time left on the clock, a pass interference call and a jump ball in the end zone, a little ticky-tack, but I saw the replay, and it definitely was interference on Missouri. He did interfere, and so they called it. 
gave Kentucky one untimed down, and they were able to cash that in. Big win for Kentucky. They're now 7-1, and one, and they're going to move on and play Georgia next week in Lexington. Georgia now 7-1, and one. also after beating Florida today. Florida is a, a solid, well-coached football team. They just don't have the players that Georgia does. You know, the fact that there for a little while they had a chance in the game uh, was a, a, um, a nod to the coaching staff at Florida because, like I say, they just don't have the same kind of players across the board that Georgia does. And eventually Georgia showed that, wore them down. And Fromm had a good day throwing the ball, really bounced back. Two weeks ago it was really bad or bad day against LSU. Bounced back after the open date, threw three touchdowns, hit a fade in the end zone, all that kind of stuff. And he had to throw the ball well if they wanted to win because Florida's run defense was really, really good. So a big win for Georgia. They go to 7-1. and one. Florida goes to 6-2. and two. Um, I saw, let's see, what Vandy goes on the road and beats Arkansas. I already mentioned Kentucky goes to 7-1 and one with a win over Missouri. Oh, and South Carolina beating Tennessee. That looked like a really – Closely contested it game. Uh, I saw the score. Couldn't really follow the game too closely just because, again, it was going on during our game. And I haven't had a chance. I'm obviously on the way home and had had a chance to, to watch all that. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it uh, sets up an interesting finish for some teams over in the Eastern Division. You get the Georgia-Kentucky matchup. It is in Lexington. Uh, I do think that Georgia should win, but I think Kentucky is good enough and tough enough that at home they're going to play well against Georgia and make it the game. They're going to make the game interesting is what I think. Um, State will have Louisiana Tech, and that'll be a potential sixth win. If State can beat Louisiana Tech, they're in the postseason again, and uh, you, you will have wrapped that up. There are a bunch of winnable games left for State. The last four games, Louisiana Tech, Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss. You're going to be favored likely in three out of those four. And you should win three out of those four. You shouldn't beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, but maybe they can make that game interesting with their defense. You never know. Um, So there's some winnable games left for State. For uh, Arkansas, it's um, just about as bad as it can get on defense. Uh, for Vandy to expose them that way and put up those kind of, what is it, 40-something points. You know, in the Vandy-Arkansas game, it was a seven-point game with about six minutes left. And then a fumble and a recovery, and it's a 14-point game. And then next thing you know, boom, it's a 21-point game. And all within, they stretched their lead out to three scores all within the last few minutes of the ball game. Um off the top of my head, you know, next week, I don't know who Ole Miss plays. It's South Carolina? Yeah. Ole Miss will host South Carolina. Carolina coming off the win over Tennessee. Close home win, come from behind win for South Carolina, so they'll be good and confident. But that ought to be a competitive game because those two teams, neither one of them are world beaters, but they're kind of in the same class. Alabama LSU next week going to be huge and can't wait to see if LSU's defense is able to make a dent in that Tua Tungvaloa offense. Remains to be seen, though, certainly. But uh, no way really to know. All right. Um, There you go. Some Sunday morning quarterback thoughts. Hope you enjoy listening to these as you sip on your coffee. But, again, presented by Farm Bureau and Mississippi Land Bank. 
And I think the key overall idea for you state fans who are listening is this. The coaching staff did a really good job during the week getting ready for that home game against A&M. They had a plan that would work. They had a script that did work to begin the game, which gave you a lead after the defense was getting off the field. And all things are positive now. Things have a little bit of a different paint job for state fans after knocking off A&M at home last night. All right, appreciate you listening. Again, thanks to presenting sponsors, Mississippi Land Bank and MSLandBank.com and Farm Bureau at Favorites.com. Y'all check them out and go with the home team. And I will see y'all next time. See you. Thanks for listening.